Welcome, 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 and hello, hello, hello. Welcome to my podcast, the Just Joe Podcast, episode 31. This is probably the, well, I did, I've done a self-podcast once, and it was about over a little over a year ago, or almost a year ago, where I talked about, uh, I just, I was, we were all in lockdown, and I kind of did a, a state of the podcast thing, and I kind of gave my predictions of what would, um, how the, how I saw the pandemic kind of rolling out and just kind of voiced my opinions and my concerns and everything else. And um, I, I should go back and listen to that at some point, but I just got back from a vacation. Okay. So on the way up to that vacation, I decided that I want to do a self podcast again, and I'm going to do these from time to time. I'm going to call them the state of the Joe, and it's going to be Part one, chapter one, the first one of its kind. I went up to Lake Placid on a little vacation just now. Uh, it was the first solo vacation that I've ever gone on in my entire life. And right before I left for vacation, I realized I haven't really been on many vacations in my life. Not true vacations. I've been on weekends or long weekends. I've been on two honeymoons. We'll get into that at some point. Um, I went on vacation, which was like a second honeymoon, and my ex and I took our stepdaughter, my stepdaughter, to Disney, uh, and that was a vacation, and then the last vacation that I kind of really took that wasn't some kind of working vacation of some sort where I was going to a wedding or something and playing at it or, or you know, it was like two or three days and you just didn't have any time to really do anything, Um I did one on a vacation with my ex and the kids right before we split. So I realized in my adult life, I've never really taken a vacation. Most people have two, three vacations a year. I, I, have, I have days off. I mean, up until COVID, I was playing 300 plus gigs a year for the past 10 years for the better part of a decade or more. So it was just constant work. Uh, and it's been constant work pretty much for the past 20 years because come this September... 2021, it will be 20 years since I joined Brand New Sin. I got the tryout and I walked into the, the band room and, and the rest is history. So ever since that moment, 20 years ago, and I got into a band and signed a record deal, I did not stop working. I have been committed to building my career, navigating through the music industry, uh, having epic, epic triumphs and even bigger epic falls and fails more fails than anything else anybody who's successful will tell you that will fail way more often than they succeed all you gotta do is succeed once out of ten times and it could be the big one it could make up for those nine losses or those nine failures so I had not taken a vacation truly in 20 years nothing along this level and I've never just gotten away by myself and I did. Um, the past year, I have had to flip my business in every possible way to survive. When you wake up one morning and you have 300 gigs on the calendar and then you literally wake up the next day and they're all gone, you kind of freak the fuck out. So we'll back up a little bit. Cause this, we're going to back up and then we're going to back up and then we're probably going to back up again. I'm doing this off the cuff. I'm just trying to get some things off my chest. So basically 
I'll digress for one second. When I was driving up to Lake Placid and driving back from Lake Placid, all I did was listen to podcasts. I didn't really listen to any music while I was gone for these past five, six days. Not really, unless there was incidental because I was sitting in a bar or I was at a restaurant or something like that, but I wasn't really listening to any music. Didn't look up any on YouTube or anything else. I watched some movies and I really just listened to some podcasts. I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. I listened to the Jamie Josta podcast, two of my favorites, two of the people that I idolize and really look up to when it comes to podcasting. And then I got turned on to a new podcast called the FML podcast. Fuck my life. That's right. There's a, she's the daughter of Dee Wallace, who's a scream queen from Cujo, The Howling, E.T., a number of different movies. Her daughter, Gabrielle Stone, has this podcast where she talks about her divorce, her rebound, and everything just airs out some very ugly truths about herself and owns it and wrote this highly successful novel. So I digress. I'm digressing even more. But basically, on the way up and on the way back, all I did was listen to these podcasts. And it inspired me to maybe sit down and just go off the cuff for this one. So if this one kind of seems like it's discombobulated or disorganized, it's because it kind of is. I want this episode of the podcast to be the preface, the opening chapter, the intro to something that I want to do along the course of this podcast. And that's dig into different parts of my panic disorder my ups and downs in life. I want to divulge this because so many of you have already known, if you follow me on social medias, or if you listen to my music, you can hear these stories. You can hear these crazy fucked up things that I've done in my life, you know, and mistakes that I've made and um, my failed marriages, my failed relationships, my failed, you know, attempts at becoming a rock star. You know, let's, let's go that. But I want to kind of air some of this out because every time I talk about my anxiety disorder or my panic disorder, or I get real about the stuff that I've been through, it seems to connect with people. Now, granted, I do hold some things back. Some things will stay sacred. Some people will not get the exact names. I will come up with different names for them. I don't want to out any, anybody or anything like that. But I do want to kind of get real once in all. Once for myself is, is this being maybe a journal entry. Uh, and second of all, maybe to let you know you're not alone. I'm a fuck up. I have fucked up a lot. I regret I mean, it's tough. I mean, you don't really ever want to regret, but I regret a lot. Not to the point where like it, it consumes me, but yes, there's, there, I've hurt. I've hurt a lot of people along the way. And it's not something I'm proud of, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I'm starting to own these things. So let's go back to where this all started. So in the past year, when I lost all my gigs, I had to figure out what to do. And as most of you know, I have successfully made a transition over into the virtual world of Twitch, Twitch TV. It was something I had my eye on for quite some time now. And it was before COVID and us and every, the crew down at K-Rock were using Twitch and having success with it. And Josh, who's the host of the morning show, kept kind of telling me on the side, man, you should really, you know, get on Twitch and do it often. You could probably replace a gig or two a month. Maybe you won't have to work every Thursday night or something like that. Maybe you can get on Twitch and say, make some money. So I had my eye on it, but I just didn't have any time to walk away from playing five, six gigs a week 
being a dad and trying to run my business that I've busted my ass for 20 years to build. So I'm like, okay, how do I completely revamp my business without taking away from my business? And then all of a sudden, boom, pandemic hits us all. We go into lockdown. We go into New York state on pause, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden I have all the time in the world. So being a creative type, I'm not one to be able to sit still very often. I often eat standing up. I don't really sit down until it's time to probably fall asleep at night or if my daughter forces me to watch a movie. But for the most part, I'm not really sitting down. Even when I'm behind a piano and singing, I don't feel like I'm sitting down. So I dove into the world of Twitch. And a long story short, and some of you have been following that journey, I've become pretty successful on the on the platform to the point where it has basically become the focus of my business. Now that things are coming back, shows are coming back, venues are opening, live music is being able to come back. Most of us are vaccinated and most of us are starting to get vaccinated or going to be vaccinated. And we're trying to get to that magic level. I don't want to turn this into any political discussion at all, but like we are going to start coming back to somewhat normalcy which is a whole other different discussion for another day but we're not going to we're not going to talk about that but all of a sudden it's coming back and i get to play live gigs again and now granted a lot of venues aren't going to be reopening some of them aren't going to be doing music because they're trying to survive some of them are at such a small capacity that they can't have the budget to have music and then there's the ones that do have music. And then there's a host of musicians trying to get all in that one thing. Because some of these musicians did not have the luxury and the luck that I had in the past year to be able to make a transition into the virtual world. I've not only transitioned well, I've transitioned very well. And with the help of a great team behind me at Twitch, to my moderators and the family that I have on there and the community I built, I, I can't even begin to tell you how thankful I am. But I've also built up my home business, which is something I've wanted to do for a while now, because when you play 300 shows a year for the better part of 10 years, it is a fucking grind. Okay. 300 days. Someone, or someone says 300 gigs. Well, that only leaves you 65 days off. I'm like, well, there's a little more than that, but there's a lot of days I was playing two gigs, three gigs, sometimes six in a matter of two or three days. You know, they were stacked up. The summer was busy I didn't know, I barely had enough time to lay down before I had to wake up and go out the door and shuffle my daughter around if I had her. She had to go to my mom. She had to go to my brothers. I had to get a sitter. She was watching by somebody for a couple hours as I went to play a gig. I was doing everything. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was getting fucking burnt out. This is where the story gets really interesting, okay? I'm in a better place now. Now let's go back three and a half years. Let's go back four years. Four years ago, at this time, I was living on my own for the very first time. I had uh, split from my daughter's mother. Um, we had a rocky two years prior to that, leading up to 2017. Uh, from 2015 through 2016, and the 2017 was a pretty rough time for us. I fucked up. I fucked up really bad, Okay but we'll go backwards. But now we're going back four years ago. I go through a summer of 2017. And that first few months of 2017, when I was living on my own, I'm like, all right, this is good. 
this is good. New life. I feel like a new man. There's freedom. I got, I can do this. I can do that. It was like, I, I felt liberated in a way, you know, like I, I was trying to come to terms with what I did in, in to, to contribute to the failure of my marriage and also, um, to this new freedom and like getting a chance to kind of figure out what the fuck was going on in my head and who I was and, and trying to make sense of, you know, what had happened. And I thought I was doing all right. And then comes the summer of 2017 and I hit a brick wall harder than I've ever hit it in my entire fucking life. I've been battling panic disorder for the better part of 30 years at this point. I'm 47 years old. I was diagnosed with panic disorder, anxiety disorder, general anxiety disorder, mainly panic disorder at the age of 21 years old. I've had ups and downs since then because when I was 21, I just started getting super scared. I would have, I think I was having heart attacks, strokes. And at that time I was one of the fittest of my life. I was a college athlete. And the next thing I know, I'm on Zoloft. I'm on, I'm on, um, uh, what is the other? I'm trying to think of the other drug that you would take to calm yourself. Xanax. I was taking Zoloft. I was taking Xanax. I was, and that was like, okay, I'm fixed. No therapy, no real digging in to try to figure out the fuck that was going on. Just take these pills. You'll be all right. So 2017. So we go from that age, about 21 years old, all the way to 2017, which I was now 43 years old. And I had had my ups and downs and my panic disorder. But for the most part, for the better part of 15 or so years, I had pretty good control over it. And then my divorce comes. And I'm okay. And I think I'm okay. But then all of a sudden, anxiety and panic come knocking again. Oh my God. Not again. I thought it was going to be a brief little phase. I thought I'm like, oh, it'll, it'll come and go. It happens these times. I have these, these phases where it's a couple days or a week or two and I get through it. This did not get any better. To the point where it all culminated on July 3rd, 2017, when I was playing a gig in Fairhaven, New York at a place called Turtle Cove. I had been on a run of probably five or six shows in the middle of summer. June is always a fucking bear. And I'm at the end of my gig and I'm in the last song and I feel fine. And anybody who has panic disorder knows that literally you could feel fine one second and literally it's there. I'm in the middle of singing God Bless the USA by Lean Greenwood. And all of a sudden I get incredibly dizzy. I get incredibly anxious. My heart rate immediately goes up. I'm literally talking like that. I don't want to be behind the piano. I feel trapped. I quickly finished the song. I'm like, all right, everybody, thank you. And I just played like four hours. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'll come right back. I'm going to go cool off in the car and I'll come back. And I don't even know how I did it, but I walked away from my piano. I got in my car and I realized I was in fucking serious trouble. I was not calming down. My heart rate was through the roof. I was sweating. I felt incredibly dizzy. And I could not get myself to calm down. At this point, I am in a full-blown panic attack. There's anxiety attacks. There's panic attacks. 
and then there's a full-blown panic attack. Anybody who has that disorder, as anyone has ever been to a full-blown panic attack, knows that when you go to that point, you cannot shut it off. General anxiety, you can get yourself to calm down with a couple of deep breaths or kind of zenning yourself back in. Uh, um, a mild panic attack, it might take you a few minutes, but you can really self back in. But once you've gone to that point where the floodgate is opening, your adrenaline's through the roof, there ain't nothing pulling you back immediately. You are in survival mode. I didn't know what to do. This was a newer venue for me. I didn't really have any close friends there that I could go to and be like, dude, I'm freaking out. Can you help me out? I felt alone. So I called my mother, told my mom, mom, I'm not feeling good. She's been through this so many times in my life that she knew exactly what to say. But at this point, I was spiraling and I couldn't even listen to her couldn't focus. I just was like, mom, I think I'm dying. I think I'm having a heart attack. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And she's like, Joseph, you got, you got to go to talk to someone. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go find the owner. You know, I got to go now. I'm more worried about being embarrassed, even though I'm feeling like shit. (sighs) Even telling this story gives me like, I relive this. This will all make sense. Trust me. It's this will all come back around because what this whole vacation and everything, we're going to go up to that. So I find the owner and I tell him, I go, can I talk to you? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get your money. I'm like, no, it's not even about my money right now. I go, I am, um, I don't feel good. And I think you may need to call the ambulance. And he's like, oh my God, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, can we just step outside? And I had to get outside because everyone's kind of looking at me at this point. And we get outside and I tell him, like, you know, I kind of explained to him I have panic disorder and I don't know if this is a panic attack, but I'm not feeling good. I can't get myself to calm down. And, and he's, then he all of a sudden, he's like, hey, man, I have them too. It's okay. Um, we just called the ambulance for you and you could hear like the siren going off in this little town. I'm like, fuck, man. Now people are kind of looking around, kind of seeing what the fuck is going on. And I'm just like, oh my God, please get me out of here. So there's all these things going through my head. Like, what am I going to do? Am I dying? What am I doing? So I get in my car. I wait for the ambulance to arrive. The ambulance, the EMTs come walking over like, hey, how you doing? And one guy's like, hey, you're just Joe. <laughs> you're on K-Rock. And listen, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Can we get inside the back of the ambulance and let's figure out what's going on here? We get in the ambulance. Uh, you know, they lay me down. They, uh, they take my blood pressure, take my pulse, and I just see these eyeballs go and I'm like oh fuck I'm like what's going on they're like well your blood pressure is kind of high right now I'm like well kind of high like like borderline high they're like no it's high it was like I don't remember exactly but it was definitely like 170 maybe over 100 or 110 which is like maybe it wasn't that high, but it was definitely way higher than I normally am. I'm usually normal blood pressure, 120 over 80, 115 over 70. Not that day. I was definitely in a realm where it caused some concern on the EMT's face. They said, your pulse rate's about 100 right now. Why don't we hook up this little thing called the 11 point, which is like an EKG, not the full one that they can do at the hospital. They got one in the back of the ambulance. We're going to hook you up. We're going to see if there's anything going on with your heart right now. 
this is not helping my anxiety at all. And I just start going, oh my God, how did I get myself to this point? I'm talking out loud. The one EMT is like, hey man, I take medicine uh, for panic attacks too, because that's the one thing. When you do start talking about your panic attacks and talking about them openly, you will realize how many people around you are like, yeah, man, I've, I've have it or I, I battle with depression or I have a, a number of issues, you know? So he was kind of helping me relate. So then he does, they do the EKG on me and they look at it and they're like, honestly, like your EKG looks fine. We think you're just completely jacked up. So what we're going to do, we're just going to sit in here in the cool ambulance we're just going to talk and we're going to monitor you for a little bit because we don't feel that you need to go to the hospital. But let's just see what happens over the next 20 or 30 minutes. So we just talk and periodically they start checking my blood pressure. My blood pressure is considerably coming down. My pulse rate is considerably coming down. And they run another EKG and nothing is changing. So eventually, make a long story short, they get me to the point where they're like, we think you're all right. I mean, we could transport you. There's not, we can't say without, you know, 100% that you're not having some cardiac issue. Uh, The only way to do that would be go to a hospital and draw blood and run all these other tests, but then you're going to be stuck in the hospital and it might be a waste of your time. And I'm like, well, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm okay. They're like, are you going to be okay to drive? I'm like, yeah, I just want to go home. I just wanted to go home. I drive home and I call my mom again. I, I, I soothe her mind that I'm okay. Um, and during that car ride home, I just lose it. I'm crying. I'm doing everything I can to just kind of hold myself together enough to drive and get myself back to Syracuse. And in this moment, I realized I'd hit one of the lowest points of my life. I was struggling. I mean, I had some points in my life where I was struggling, but I was struggling bad, real bad to the point where like, I was concerned. I just started seeing a new therapist um, about a month prior and we seemed to be making progress. So I'd immediately call my therapist and be like, we need to meet ASAP. I think I might have to go back on medication. I had gotten to a point where I could not handle this anymore. Uh, And anybody who knows panic attacks, when you have one that's that big, it it's like an earthquake. Like if an earthquake, like a, like a 9.2 earthquake hits California, it's not just one and done and it causes all this damage. There are multiple earthquakes that happen after that earthquake, even hours after days after even weeks after there's still tremors. That's what a panic, a full blown panic attack will do to someone with disorder. It will cause you to keep having these things. You just don't immediately come back down. You've gotten yourself, if you've gotten yourself to a point where you're having a full-blown panic attack that fucking bad, you are not coming back down out of that tree for a little bit. It's going to take some time. Your body's got to readjust. You just put your organs, your brain, every ounce of your being just went through a tremendous amount of stress that nobody should go through. And it was at that point, I realized I have to do something. I have to do something mentally. I have to do something physically. At that point, I was probably weighing 280 some odd pounds. It was probably the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I was unhealthy on every fucking level. Every level. This is coming from someone who played football, baseball, track, most athletic in, in, his, in his senior class, college football athlete, 
even after college, I was still pretty active. And then I let myself go. How did I get here? How did I get myself to be this? Well, 20 years at that point, it had been what? 17 years in the business, 16 years in the music business. I had been through two marriages, two divorces, countless relationships that had failed, strained relationships with my family, strained relationships with my friend, lost friends, being unbelievably broke, but not giving up on my dream. Anybody who goes into self-employment, not just the music business, and goes after a pipe dream, knows that it consumes you, and that's all you're supposed to do. So here I am in the, tw- the summer of 2017. I have to go back on medication. I go back on... Oh my God, I can't even remember what medication I was taking at this point. It'll come to me in a little bit. Lexapro. I started taking Lexapro. I didn't want to go back on Zoloft. So I started taking a low dose. I didn't, I would, did not want to go back on medications, but I had to. I didn't want to admit defeat, but I also was also worried about like, oh, what's the side effects going to be? Because there was times I had taken medications in the past and they threw me the other direction. Some of them, some of them helped, but then they came with another host of side effects. Like my dick didn't fucking work correctly. And when you're a 25, 26 year old person and all of a sudden your dick doesn't work, it doesn't work right. I don't know what's worse. It's like, wait a minute. I, I think I'd rather be depressed and and anxiety ridden than not have my dick work at the age of 26. So I was worried about side effects like that. And I was also worried about side effects that I did take this one medication one time. I don't even think they have it on the market anymore. And I had a doctor give it to me and I ended up having a panic attack for 24 hours after I took the medication. I'm like, I'm not taking that anymore. It goes, Oh, get better as you take it every day. It won't be as bad. I'm like, if I have another day like that, I will not you're going to end up committing me into a hospital. I will not mentally be able to take another day like that. So there's always this huge concern that when you take a medication like that of the side effects and it could spin you in another direction, it could make things worse actually. And I was really concerned that it was going to be that. So we started on a very low dose and I spent the better part of that summer literally hanging on by a thread. I was in a strained, strained, strained breakup with my ex-wife. Um, even though we were getting along, we were not getting along on a lot of levels. And going back in hindsight, it was really bad. We were having a really fucking hard time navigating myself, um, dealing with the guilt that I had from that, from what went on in the marriage and what helped cause the end of the marriage. Ooh, it was tough. And now I'm physically unwell, mentally unwell. And I still have six, seven gigs a a week to play. And I'm going to these gigs and and I'm literally waking up every day. I was so dizzy from the medication, so dizzy from my anxiety that I literally had enough energy to get myself out of bed, get myself to the kitchen, make a little bit of breakfast. And all I wanted to do was lay down because I was literally dizzy all the time. My anxiety got me to a point where I was just so out of whack that I just did not physically feel good 24 seven slept like shit, everything. And medication takes weeks, sometimes months for the kind of finally start getting in there. Therapy included. You're not going to crack an egg the very first time you go to therapy or after one session. 
So I literally spent a summer barely getting by, doing what I barely had to do to just get to my gig, to be a dad when I needed to be a dad, and to earn the money that I needed to earn to keep myself afloat and to pay for my daughter and to, to you know, once I left my marriage, I ended up having to, you know, pay uh, for some of those things because I left without giving her an opportunity to get a job. So I was literally paying a lot of money to make sure that things could transition. I had to take care of things for a while. So I put an undue amount of, uh, of stress on myself, which is okay. I felt like, like I was beating myself up so bad of how the marriage ended and for the reasons why it ended and for my part in the ending of the marriage and the guilt that I had for the fuck ups that I did in that marriage of mine that I was like, I'm, I deserve this. I deserve everything that comes my way. I deserve this fucking panic disorder to coming back. I deserve that I have to pay out all this money to make things go afloat, keep me afloat, keep the family afloat, keep my daughters afloat, whatever I had to do. I just felt like I need, I deserved all of it. So I, I got through the summer and I don't know how I did it. It was a blur. And there was even more mistakes made that summer on my part, trying to get myself healthier. Um, just every time I felt like I was taking a step forward, I was taking two steps back. That was rough. That was a rough summer. But come that fall, I started getting some clarity. The gigs started slowing down a little bit. The medicine started kicking in a little bit. The therapy was starting to work. Um, my relationship with my ex was starting to smooth out and we're getting past the angry phase of being very angry at each other, me being angry at myself. And then I realized, holy fuck, dude, you're 280 pounds. How did you get physically like this? So then I decided to start taking yoga again with a good friend of mine. And then he guided me back to something I really loved in 2012. I got into CrossFit. And he's like, I'm at a new CrossFit gym, CrossFit Circus. You should really come. You should really get back into CrossFit. So in December of 2017, I said, it's time for me to commit myself back to getting my physical well-being under control. Because if I physically start feeling better, I'm going to be able to help the mental. We all know that. I know that from all those years of being an athlete. And I was sick of being sick and tired and feeling like shit and being overweight and 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 just eating because I had nothing else to do or it was comforting or it was a drug, you know. I wasn't really drinking. I didn't thank God fall back into drugs and alcohol like I'd used in the past. So I was like happy that I like at least in that regard that I didn't slip back into very old bad habits. So I was like, it's time to create these new habits. So I walk into CrossFit Syracuse and for three months I dive in and I start getting myself healthier, going to the gym three days a week, four days a week, eventually to five days a week, but I'm not losing any weight. I'm feeling better, but what the fuck? Why am I not losing any weight? Then I meet my other trainer, my nutritionist, who has now become one of my best friends in the world. He's been on the podcast, Ed Tonight of Ultimate Health and Performance. I meet him and the game changed. I went from weighing 282 pounds to a few weeks ago weighing 195 pounds. That's almost a that's a like almost a 90 pound swing. I was 36% body fat and now I'm about 13% body fat. 
So you're talking 90 pounds and 23% of it, 23% of my body was fat, gone. I have in three years gone through more change than I did the previous 44 years of my life. I worked hard on my business. I worked hard in the past year to flip my business. And in this past year, I dedicated myself even more to my fitness and well-being. Because here's the thing. If I don't put my fitness and well-being first, because sometimes you're like, well, you know, I don't have time to go to the gym because uh, I got to take care of my daughter. I got to do this for my family. You're putting those things first. But you know what? Without your health and your fitness, you're fucking worthless on all those other levels. Because if you're not going to be fit and healthy, you can't be the best person that you can be nor are you going to be on this planet long enough because I'm getting to the age where I'm seeing friends of mine pass away because of health issues because they didn't take care of themselves or they have an underlying health issue that they didn't know about and they weren't healthy about it. They weren't healthy with themselves and then they start passing or they're on all these different medications and they're overweight or they have other issues because they smoked or they drank. I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't have a daughter until I was 40 years old. I came late to the game of fatherhood. So that means a lot of my friends who had kids in their 20s, their kids are already going into college. Some of them are even becoming grandparents at this point. They're getting to see their kids grow up. And I was like, I want to see my daughter grow up. I want to be a grandfather and I'm going to be pushing later into life. And the only way that I'm going to do what I can to control that, because we all know that we don't have control over anything. A friggin' lightning bolt could strike me right now, or a plane could crash into my fucking house, or I could get hit by a bus. But what I can do is help what I can within my physical being to make sure that I can try to ensure and add years onto a life that we know we can't win. We're going to die someday. That's the fucking ugly truth of life at some point we won't be here anymore but when you have something like a daughter come along to your life or kids in your life or something that important in your life you realize how precious time is and that's what i started learning in the past year and that's what i started learning four years ago i gotta put my health first my mental well-being first because if i don't dedicate myself 100 to that everything else my daughter my family, my business will mean shit, absolute shit. It won't fucking mean anything. <sighs> but I climbed out of it. The past three and a half years have been unbelievable on so many levels. I want to expand on this in future podcasts. I don't want to sit here and talk for three hours. These are going to be an ongoing journal of this journey that I've been on to get to where I am now. I'm going to tell some ugly fucking truths about myself. I'm going to fucking own it. I'm going to own it. I've been owning my, my bullshit and my mistakes so much in the past three and a half years. And especially in the past year of my life that I had to, because in order I've physically fixed everything that I can but you can physically fix it but the mental thing doesn't change you have to fix and work as just as hard on that and be as regimented as I am I go to the gym every day pretty much at nine o'clock I run almost every afternoon I do yoga a few times a week I I hike I'm active 
you make time for that, but you also have to make time for your mental well-being. And I started doing that more and more. So now it's time to start cracking these eggs. So now let's go back to about three, four months ago. We're ending 2020. And I hope this is all making sense because it's all relative in my head of why I'm speaking like this. So I'm getting near the end of 2020 and my panic disorder starts to rear its fucking ugly head again. And I'm like, why the fuck are you coming back? I'm doing everything right. I'm exercising. I've lost weight during 2020 where most people were gaining. I would lost it. I become more fit. I busted my ass. I've, I've invested all this money into my studio. I've got, I'm, I've got the world by the balls. Why the fuck are you coming back into my life? Why the fuck are you coming back into my life? Why? You know why? Because 2020 was a fucking bitch. <laughs> Even as successful as I was on a lot of levels, the weight of what I was doing and what ever, all of us were fucking doing kind of caught up. And I had a moment to breathe. And all of a sudden, when that little moment, when you start to sit and you get a chance to start reflecting, your brain starts to go, okay, let's try to process what the fuck has been going on for the past 10 months. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is what you didn't process because you were too busy working on all this shit. Boom. I start getting hit with panic attacks again. I'm like, motherfucker. I said, there's no fucking way. And I got on top of it and I was proud because of the coping mechanisms that I had learned in the past four years, whether it's through therapy, physical activity, being present for my daughter, being present for my family, being present for myself, helped me get through it. Also having some really amazing friends around me who understood that I could literally lean into. I wouldn't have made it through. I could have easily gone down another dark path, but I didn't. But something exponentially has happened in the past two months. In the past week and a half, I went and ran my very first 5K race. I've been running 5Ks now for almost uh, uh, weekly. I was only going to run one a week for every week starting in September. And then it turned into two week, three week, four week. And next thing you know, I'm running 15, 20 miles a week on top of my CrossFit. So I do a 5K race. I take... 51st out of 347, my very first 3K or 5K race, I take number one in my age class out of nine people. I get in my car that day and I said, it all hit me. And I'm like, holy shit. Look what the fuck you have done in four years. Not that I haven't noticed. I have definitely noticed, but for some reason at that moment, I could look in a mirror and see this new person, really see this new person. I was still looking in the person and looking at the 280 pound, very unhealthy fucking guy in the mirror. I was still seeing that person. I was having body dysmorphia as much as I was seeing the weight come off me and knew that I felt good for the first time. I really saw what the fuck I looked like. It was different. I realized I, and, and, and then I put on a large shirt. Then I put on a medium shirt. I've worn a fucking medium shirt since 1991, probably, <laughs> you know, 30 fucking years. All of a sudden I'm back to that. And then everything hits me. And I realized a month and a half ago, I needed to take a vacation. 
and that 5k and that whole realization of what was going on in my head and finally going, holy shit, look what you've done. Look what you've done for yourself. Look what you've done for your daughter. Look what you've done to the relationships around you. You've repaired a lot of things. Now it's time to go away for a little bit and you need to sit and sit in your own stuff for a little bit. This past week, being in the Adirondacks was eye-opening on so many levels. And I want to talk about that going forward. I don't want to drag this podcast out too long, this episode, because I want to leave a lot of content. And I want to leave off at a good point. But this past weekend was incredibly amazing, incredibly foreign, incredibly relaxing, and incredibly anxiety-ridden all at once. It was amazing. It felt great. Even the anxiety felt great because I knew, knew where it was coming from because I had removed it. I not played music over the weekend. I didn't even sing. I did not even sing a song, not even a car I usually sing. I listened to podcasts and I literally stepped away from my work. And where my brain was going was kind of scary, but at the same time, it was really fucking nice. I've realized how far I've come and I'm very proud of that. Panic disorder is a bitch. Ego is a bitch. We're going to talk in length of why I was a fucking complete shithead to pretty much all of my relationships, including my marriages. I was not the best husband I could be. I was not the best person I could be. And yes, it does take two to tango. It's not completely my fault in any of those circumstances. But I will definitely take a majority of the blame and almost all the downfalls of my relationships. I was not a good person. I was not a good fucking person. I don't like to say that because I am a good person. If anyone's met me, you know I'm a good person. But good people can do bad things. And I definitely did. And we'll talk about that going forward. So this weekend was crazy, but I wanted to start with a foundation of what these self podcasts are going to be about. This one was a little more free form and I didn't know what's going to come out. I was just going to see what's happened. I think going forward, I'm going to have different chapters. I'm going to talk about different points of it, but this is the introduction. We're going to talk about what's happened in my life, especially in the past 20 years of being a musician. We're going to talk about the mistakes I've made. And we're also talking about the triumphs that I've had. Um, and again, I'm going to reveal some ugly truths. I'm also going to reveal some amazing things that I've found out about myself. I can honestly say this is the first time in my life that I've felt comfortable in my skin, felt comfortable in my head. Am I fixed yet? No. But I've definitely done a huge, huge turn. And now it's time to work on some depth. It's time to get myself in a position so that I can love again. I would love to fall in love again. I really would love to fall in love again. I hate to say it, but I might be becoming the person that some of my exes wish I was in their relationships or in my marriages. And that sucks to say, but it's the fucking truth. But it's okay. It's okay. I have peace with all of those people. Um, I'm still coming to peace to myself. So we're going to talk about all those things. And I think on each episode that we do like this, like the just Joe, the state of the Joe, 
the next one will have a theme to it. And we'll talk about certain aspects of the past 20 years or my entire life. But I hope this laid the groundwork for it. This past weekend, again, was an amazing uh, cap. And I really think it's ready. I'm ready to start writing another novel. The first novel is done. Here comes part two, part three, or whatever it may be. So I hope you guys dig this. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for, if you've made it this far into the episode, thank you for fucking listening to my incoherent babble. I had literally had no notes. (laughs) I had no idea what was going to come out. So here it is. I want to give a big shout out to my producer, Cody Lisi, Cody Mack for putting together these podcasts every week, editing them, making me sound good. Uh, and to, I guess would be my executive producer, Josh from K rock, Josh grows vent fat brother for overseeing all of this. And, um, I'm ready to take this podcast to another level. I got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks. I'm going to have more musicians. I'm going to have some more people from the mental health world. I'm going to have some more people from the physical, uh, fitness world. And, uh, I'm even might bring in some people from the breweries that I've been to. It's going to get interesting, my friends. I'm going to start looking for sponsors. I'm ready to take this podcast to another level. So I hope you guys love the state of the Joe. I hope it made sense. If you guys want to reach out and give me your comments, questions, concerns, share your stories with me, reach out to me on all my social medias or hit me up at justjoe at justjoe.com. On my Instagram, on my Twitter, on my Facebook, you know where to find me. I want to hear about your stories too. I want to hear this because this is not just me sharing my journey. This is me connecting with you, giving you that it's okay to not be okay. Because even me, who people think sometimes like, man, you you look so confident. You're up there in front of 10,000 people. You're up there in front of a room full of people and you're doing so good. But I'm fucking scared shitless on the inside. And some days I'm fucking having a panic attack while I'm doing those things. So we're here. We're in this together. So please share your stories with me. I would love to hear them. This is the Just Joe podcast. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Please let me hear from you. Take care. Yeah!